0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I want to talk this morning about the idea of saying amen and what that means, what that carries for us as Christians as we use this term. You know, a lot of things happen. In life, right? Life happens, um, positive and good. Life happens. But you'll hear things from time to time, and I'm going to use some old archaic things that perhaps, at least if you're my age or more, uh, you've heard. But people might say, "Say la vie, right? That's life. Um, life happens. That's the way it goes, you know. Um, we say things like this. We might say, oh, well, or it is what it is. Um, Some might say, get over it, (laughs) you know. Um, That's part of life. I've said many times over the years, that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know. I mean, we just have creative ways of expressing this same thing about life sometimes. That's the way the ball bounces. Um, When life throws you lemons, what do you do? Make lemonade, right? Uh, we just have a variety of ways of looking at life. And truly life does happen in a variety of ways. Um, some of the negative ways that we might address the way that, um, that's used sometimes or the ideas is, why does this always happen to me? I've said that one. Why me? I can't do anything right. You see, we have problems in life too, and sometimes we respond to those things not so positively. Um, what did I do to deserve this? You know. So there's there's positive ways generally of looking at it, and there's negative ways of seeing it. I want to talk this morning primarily about a spiritual perspective, spiritual ideas on how to view life, because life does truly happen. But I want to talk a a little bit about things like the idea that God's in control. And it's okay. God's in control. The Lord's will be done. We want to submit to His will, that idea. He still sits on the throne. Because you're going through this problem doesn't mean He has removed Himself from the throne. And hopefully of your life. He still sits there. He's still God. Maybe the idea of if I'm going through a storm, I will still praise Him in the storm. And that's tough to do, isn't it? We don't feel like praising God when we're going through a lot of troubles, typically. But we need to be reminded of that as Christians. We still have a lot to praise God for. And we need to praise Him in the storm. These storms of life are going to build us up into what we need to be. He'll supply all our needs. If we're Christians and we believe the promises of God, we're going to believe that He will supply what we need. But you know Satan is here. He is around. He lurks across this world, right? He is seeking to trip you up, to ensnare you, to trap you into doing something, saying something, being something that you shouldn't be. That's Satan working his best at it, right? The scriptures teach us that Satan came to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his objective. That's what he's after, and don't think he's not after you. I mean, he is primarily after you, and those who have named Christ as their... As their Lord. Pardon me. Sometimes life may be just a test of faith. (laughs) It may be. We may have difficulty sometimes always answering these questions. And to try to explain it. Job did. Job had all kinds of calamities and problems. And things come upon his life. And he questioned God. And basically, he was saying in all the things that you read about him, he's saying, Why? <laughs> Why did this happen? And it's hard to understand sometimes, right? But we, like Job, must be faithful. And sometimes you just keep going uh, when that mood's not there. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. So, this idea of amen, you'll see where I'm going with all this, its definition. Again, just by definition means, so be it. Let it be. That's what amen means. In its root form, that's its meaning. So be it. Let it happen. I'm good with that. I mean, amen. And we should be ready to take on this attitude, but I'm going to explain some aspects of this as we go on. But listen, to fully trust and submit to God's plan is to say amen. That's what it is. Now, uh, many of you will remember here a few years ago, I had a heart attack, and I was in the hospital, and, and some of you responded to that and helped in a variety of ways. Our home congregation at Aurora did amazing things during that. But I had many visitors And one of which was a brother in Christ. I had many brothers in Christ come visit. But when I kind of got, turned the corner a little bit and was more aware of what was going on around me, I had a brother come in. And in discussing my what seemed to be narrow escape from death, he made this statement. He said, God is always faithful to the righteous. And he meant that in a very comforting way. And that is a true statement. I don't disagree with that. He is always faithful to the righteous. But the more I pondered on that, he was implying that since I had survived, it was evidence to that fact that God was faithful to the righteous. Now, we might question, was I really righteous? That's altogether another issue, right? I'm Righteous only because of Christ. But that statement was implying that, that I am evidence of that. And I got to thinking more of, about that. And while that's true, what if I had not survived? What if I had died? Would God still be faithful? Fair question? Let me tell you something. God is faithful in our lives no matter what happens. He's faithful even in death. So I don't know that that was enough evidence to show that God is always faithful to the righteous, right? And that idea is a fair statement. He meant well by it. But God is faithful no matter what. God is faithful. Do we understand what faithfulness is today? A little different uh, for our culture today. Um, You know, there was a day, I kind of barely remember moments when my dad or my mom would make an agreement and it would be a verbal agreement, and they'd hold to it, even on selling something that was valuable, that was important. Uh, not today. We have stacks of paper to sign when we buy a house, right, David? I mean, you're signing a stack of papers. <laughs> you're agreeing to this and agreeing to that, and they're agreeing to this and that, and, and I mean, everything's got to be signed off on, right? Right? And then even that can get challenged, right? That's why we have court systems today. And a lot, of, a lot of people take things to court because we can't trust people to uphold their end of the promise, their end of the contract. And we make it simply a legal thing now. Well, let me tell you something. God is faithful. <laughs> He's faithful like we don't experience in life. We have marriages that fall apart Because people are not faithful to those marriages. That's our culture. And so sometimes we kind of get clouded in the idea of faithfulness. But let me tell you something. God is faithful, and He is faithful every time. He is faithful in every way. What He says, He will do, absolutely. What He has promised, He will give. He will provide. That's a God who is always faithful, no matter what. Now, back to what we're talking about. He has never promised us an easy life. He's never. Show me. In fact, Jesus said you will have trouble <laughs> in this life. He's never promised an easy road. He's never promised us Physical life. I mean, I suppose if we're alive, we have it at the moment. But we don't know about tomorrow. We don't know about the next minute. I found out real quick with the heart issues how fast things can turn. I mean, to the point that the idea, we've said it often, we have preached it often, we need to be ready, right? We need to be ready at any moment. I found out how true that is. Uh, Within five minutes, I was out. I didn't know what was going on. And those doctors saved my life, or I should really give credit to God, I suppose. I'm still here today as a result of that, but I'm not promised tomorrow. I don't know the next breath I'm going to take, if if it's going to be a good one or if it's going to be the last one. I don't know. Now then, can I say amen? Can I truly say as a Christian, let it be so. So be it. Can I say that about my life? Can you say that about yours? You know, we've not been promised life, but I tell you what we have been promised, that He will not leave us comfortless. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Do we believe that? That's where, we, that's where the real issue is. So can I say amen? Can I submit to God's plan for my life, whatever it is, whatever troubles, whatever trials, or whatever blessings? Can I submit to that? Now, usually we think of amen as the ending of a prayer, right? Somebody says a prayer, and they say amen at the end, and we know that's the end. We kind of treat it like the end, at the end of a novel or something, the words the end, like that's what amen means. And in a way, I guess it can mean that uh, because it does signal us that the prayer's over. Have you ever been in a situation with a group of people, maybe at lunchtime or dinner time or something, and it's a group of Christians, somebody's praying, and the restaurant's noisy, and they get to the end, and you can't hear the amen. You didn't hear it. And it's awkward. I, I think, I'm pretty sure I've been in situations where they didn't say amen, and that's even more awkward. But when you can't hear it, and they get to the end, and they'll, they'll even say in Jesus' name. And you're listening, and you're afraid to do anything until you, literally, you're listening for a little rustle, or somebody, a rustle of paper, or somebody says something, or, and it breaks that, and you go, okay, I guess it's over. I'm a little late now to say amen, right? But those are awkward situations. Uh, We feel like that's where amen belongs, and we ought to say that. I do agree with that. But I do want to propose to you the meaning of the word amen, and so be it. (laughs) So be it. So it works at the end of a prayer, uh, even with its proper meaning, Uh, but that's an awkward situation, right? We think of that it's a word that we use very often, at least when we pray. And uh, to us, it, again, may feel like the word's the end to a movie or, or something like that. Um, I want to expand our thinking this morning. I want us to really think about this word. I want to consider a few thoughts around this and look at where it can be used and applied in our lives. Paul says an interesting thing here. He says, for all The promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now, we're going to look at another version that's going to help us (laughs) separate this out in the English language in a way that we understand it a little better. Uh, The ESV version reads it like this. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. Okay, that is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. So, biblically speaking, there is a legitimate and even expedient use of the word for us as Christians. In the New Testament, the word amen means trustworthy, uh, it means surely or so be it. And it comes from the Hebrew word amen which is very similar to how we say amen, right? Amen is how apparently you pronounce that. I am not a Hebrew scholar. But it means sure. It means faithfulness or truly. Uh, so be it or truth. It's used in that, those uh, fashions. So when you say amen, you are declaring. Now once you think about it. You are declaring that he is faithful and true. And you are relenting or uh, resigning your own will to His will. Submitting to His will. That's the idea. And so through that one word you are saying, Father, may it be so in my life. That's what we're saying by that word, amen. And then I want you to notice the last line of this verse. It says, we utter our amen to God for His glory. It's for His glory. And that, I had to really kind of think about that one to try to get the, the, what I think the meaning of it is. And I, I gather what we are saying here in uttering our amen to God for His glory is we are saying, Thy will be done. May you be glorified in this. And so I'm agreeing with God. May this be done in my life. And I pray that it glorifies you. Okay, so saying amen is so much more than just a ritual or a tradition at the end of a prayer, right? So much more. It's an opportunity to say to the Father, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I'm content in your will for my life. I'm content in that. May what is happening be to your glory, and I submit wholeheartedly to your will. That's a lot of words. To explain what amen is saying, but that's what it's saying. That's what is meant by it. Now, I tell you, that's been the most difficult part of the ordeal of having a heart attack and going through all the things that I went through with that. And I don't mean to make this all about me, but it, I just think it's a great um, illustration for what I want to express. How can God be glorified through my heart attack? <laughs> that's the question. We've got to ask, or whatever it is in your life that you're going through, because we all go through things. How is it that God can be glorified through what you're going through? You know, how can, well, let's say this. When I was becoming aware of where I was and what was going on, and finally discovered or realized that I had had a problem, I didn't didn't even see coming. I woke up to hearing the doctors say these kind of things, like "We're not out of the woods yet." I heard them say that. I heard we don't even know if he's going to make it. He may not survive. Now, that's what I woke up to, not even knowing what was going on. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I think they're talking about me. (laughs) What am I going through? (laughs) You know, I don't even know what was going on. And my prayer was, Lord, give me the strength to overcome this or let me go home. But either way, help me. (laughs) That was my prayer. And that ought to be our prayer. We don't always understand like Job didn't. But what is our prayer? What is our focus? Where is our heart? And we'll come back to that story here in a few minutes, but I want to look at some examples from the Bible. Deuteronomy 27, verse 16. How do we see the word Amen used in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, the word Amen was used to a good degree as a congregational response to what God, through His appointed leaders would declare to them. It was to agree with what was stated, whether a curse or whether a blessing, the congregation would respond, Amen, if they agreed with that. Okay? And so in Deuteronomy 27, 16, the Levites said, Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. No, no. They're amening, agreeing to the curse, to the punishment that would take place if you're going to dishonor parents, okay? And the congregation would respond in that way. Um, That is, we agree with that curse, so let it be, right? Nehemiah 8, and beginning in verse 5. Nehemiah 8, verse 5. Ezra... Opened the book, the word of God, in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen. While lifting up their hands, then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Amen meant here, Yes, we agree with your blessing. We join in the blessing. All that you have said of God's greatness, we say, amen. That's what they were affirming. And it's kind of, it's a beautiful picture, really, when you, when you look at it and you see what, what they're actually responding to. What they were really saying was true and firm, faithful and trustworthy is what you have said. It is an affirmation stronger than just a simple, I agree. Now we use amen like that too sometimes. Someone will make a point in a sermon and you might hear somebody go, amen. And usually they're meaning, I agree with that. I, I think generally is the idea. That's usually what I'm meaning when I say that. Or it's a good point. I agree with it. They're saying all that you have said of God's greatness. We say, amen. What about the New Testament? Over in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14, be our first example of that. The use of amen is addressed in the the New Testament, of course. Um, Paul is addressing the need for the assemblies to be conducted in an orderly fashion, um, primarily for the edification of all. And he addresses and deals with the use of tongues. Many of them had been given the gifts of speaking in other languages for the purposes of spreading the gospel, reaching the lost, okay? And what was happening was it was being abused at this point <coughs> when they would come into the assemblies, basically, and I'm going to use my words, but basically what they were doing was showing off that they had the ability to speak in other languages, in tongues. And they would do this in the presence in a, in a congregation that was local, that didn't have anybody that spoke that language. You see, there's no purpose in it. There was no reason in doing that. And Paul is saying you need to do this for the purpose of edifying meaning. They need to understand what you're saying. So this isn't the time to use the tongues. This is the time to speak words clearly so that the congregation will understand. And then in verse um, chapter 14, verse 15, 16, you'll see where I'm going here. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So it wasn't only about preaching. It was praying and singing. This same principle um, was used. Now verse 16. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at the giving of thanks, seeing... He understandeth not what thou sayest. In other words, if somebody is there that doesn't understand that language that you happen to be able to speak, and you're doing that, he's not able to say amen. He's not able to agree with the Word of God because you're not using words that he understands. Speak in the common language. Speak in a way that everyone can be edified. And so don't miss this. Saying amen, that's an important part of our Christian walk. And I know some of us may feel awkward in saying it, and I'm not even saying just publicly, but the word amen, it needs to be a part of who we are. We need to understand the use of this and not be afraid to use it. That's what, it, that's what it's for. Okay, so uh, an amen is your way of confirming or avowing to God that you agree and will willingly submit to His authority and His will. I think that's a pretty important thing. So in context of 1 Corinthians 14, our teaching of the Word of God must be clearly articulated so we all can say amen to it. (laughs) At least think it. Amen. We agree with that, right? That's the idea. So what about... Amen in everyday life. Well, there's those instances also. We're also called while living out our lives to deal with real life issues. You know that, and I know that. Uh, We've dealt with them. And if you really wanted me to list all the real life issues I've had, we would be here a while because I've had plenty. And most of us probably have if you have any years behind you. You've probably been through several different things that you could identify with. I certainly have. What about problems that occur? What about hardships and challenges, trials, sickness, disease, death, persecutions? Because that, that's becoming more of a real thing these days, in our, even in our culture. You know, God, again, has never promised that we would not experience these problems. In fact, quite the opposite. John 16 and verse 33 Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's why our faith in Him is so important. But what He has promised is He'll never leave us. And He has given us literally thousands of promises throughout the Bible. You are welcome to my notes when this is over if you're not able to get all these scriptures down. But I'm about to just read through several promises. Not all of them, again, we don't have time for that. But I'm going to read some of these that are probably most familiar to you throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament ones I want to point out and the New Testament ones, they may be speaking specifically about a specific situation or occurrence, people, things like that. And so directly in context, it may be about something else. But I want you to get the principle behind what we're reading because these principles are still true today, I believe. Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Exodus 14 and 14. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now put some things in perspective, doesn't it? Have I not commanded thee, Joshua 1 and 9? Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever thou goest. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We want to get ahead of him sometimes. Wait on the Lord. Isaiah 40, 29. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might he increaseth strength over in the New Testament first Corinthians 10:13 <coughs> this promise right here is important and it's important to me it probably is to you. it says there hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but God is faithful. remember our discussion about his faithfulness. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be attempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be also be able to bear it. I, I want to make an observation about this real quickly. Uh, it has been said many a time, and you, you probably have heard this, perhaps you've said it, I think I've probably said it in the past, This idea that God will not put on you any more than you can handle. And it's generally taken from this verse. I want to point out that this verse does not say that. It does not say that He will not put on you any more than you can handle. Just anything. That's not what He says. In fact, I want to reread it. There's no temptation taken you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape. Paul said in another letter, writing about his journeys and his troubles and things like that, he said, uh, we went through trials and persecutions and things, uh, problems in this life beyond our ability to bear. That's what Paul said. They were beyond his ability to bear. But he finished it with, but God is faithful. That idea. God saw them through it and, and was able, they were able to get through it because of God, not because of his strength. And I think that's an important distinction that we need to make here. Even in this, by the way, it doesn't say he's going to remove temptation. He didn't say that. He did not say that. He said, will with the temptation also make a way to escape? that you may be able to bear it. You may have to bear with this. It may still be around. He didn't promise he's removing it. He just didn't. And I just want to point that out because there's such, such a common misunderstanding about this and some other principles related to this. So I just want to point that out. But a beautiful promise, though. What would we do without our God providing a way of escape? that we actually can bear it. That's our God. James 4 and 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Second Corinthians 1, uh, verses 2 to 4. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God even, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. You see, God comforts us so that we then can comfort others by the strength that he gave us. It's beautiful, wonderful promises. John 14:27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Matthew 6:31. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? what shall we drink? or with uh, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Philippians four nineteen. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. There's that word faithful again. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. It pretty well covers it, doesn't it? No, he goes on. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I'm going to pause right there. I've got even more scriptures we could read. And I don't want to tire of it, but... Do you believe the Scriptures are full of promises for us? It's amazing that a God would care that much for us. He has laid it out for us, given us so much. The question is, are we trusting Him with that? Or are we trusting in ourselves? You see, all His promises are true, all of them. There's not an exception. There is not. We can have complete confidence in Jesus now and for all eternity. We can cling to Him for our salvation. We can cling to Him for every season and circumstance in our lives. Whatever you're going through, you can cling to Him because you have His promises that He's given us. And He's always faithful. Amen. He is always faithful. As a result we should be able to say amen. And when we do, again, we are expressing our faith and our gratitude and our worship uh, before Him. What's the result when we can do this? It then is and can be for His glory. His glory. I asked the question and I didn't really answer it, but when I went through my business, the heart attack business and all that, A lot of people helped. I really had to reassess this after I came out of this and just have given it full thought. And at the time, I was 58 years old. So almost 60 years old, and I had not learned this lesson, how to give God the glory for the things that you go through life with. I had not learned that. 60 years of life and still had not learned that. I, I look at a lot of... From my perspective, a lot of younger people here, I hope you learn this lesson at your age now or earlier. I hope that you've learned it. I hope you know that and you understand that. Listen, how was God glorified through that? Well, the first thing to think about is that it's not always about me. I may be going through the trouble, through the trial, but God was glorified. Now... They did a lot for me. The church there at Aurora and probably some of y'all, I don't even know who all was there, but a lot was done for our family. We had just gotten into our house, a lot of work to do on it, still trying to get ready and a cold front hit, sort of like what's going to happen tonight, (laughs) you know, and I think it was even colder. I think it got down to 12 degrees or something and I was concerned about water pipes. I hadn't yet got them really protected and that's what I was working on that morning. I don't know if that added to my (laughs) <laughs> to the situation but I was panicked almost and working on that cuz I was concerned. I don't want blown pipes. If you've ever had that, you know what a pain that will become. So I'm working on that. Let me tell you a few ways that God glorified things. First of all, he did he 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 did by the service that was given to Jill and the girls and and myself. Even the way that they just came in, they they didn't ask permission. They just came out to the house because a brother or two knew what was going on and came out there and they just did the underpinning and, and protected my pipes and, and some other work. They just did a lot of work and I was laid up in the hospital. And I heard about it at some point that they were doing it and just, I just want to cry. I don't know that I've ever experienced such a just profound amount of love that was just offered. And let me tell you something. God was glorified in that. It was in my heart. I was thanking God because it wasn't going to be done otherwise. And then I get out of the hospital. I'm down for still two or three months physically. I can't do a lot of the stuff that I needed to do. And my brothers and sisters in Christ were there to help. But let's step this even beyond me. I said earlier it's not always about me, right? Right? Life is not always about us. It's about glorifying Him. That's what life is about. And if the quicker we get that, the better off our life's going to be to understand that we need to glorify God through all the things. Let me tell you something. I had neighbors that saw the church in action working that made a difference. God was glorified by the church coming together and just doing. That's just what they did. They didn't call and ask permission. Somebody paid for all that. I never have found out who. I have my suspicions, but I never knew. Nobody's asking for money. I've tried to pay for some of it, and guess what? To God be the glory. A lot of help there. But it affected other people. And let me tell you another thing. I have a big extended family. I have a lot of children, I've told you this, most of you know this, I have nine total, eight of which are married, and that eighth one is now having a child in February, so I will have eight kids, all with children that will make 18 grandchildren, okay, I might have a big family someday, but (laughs) the biggest thing about that though, is of course all my family came up, and they were at the hospital for days, and whatever, and many brothers and sisters took them in and housed them, brought food up and took care of them. And they saw very clearly a church in action, a church working and caring and loving. Did they do that just because they loved us? I'm going to propose to you that they did not. I mean, they loved us. But they didn't do it just because of that. They did it to glorify God. And let me tell you something, they did exactly that. And my family, my extended family, all my kids and grandkids and all them, they needed to see that. They needed to see that. It was so important to me when I just could assess all of this and realize what was going on. I've never seen action like that. I mean, I've seen people help people a little bit, and usually it's kind of an organized, scheduled thing and whatever, but I mean, people just bent over backwards taught me a great lesson. It taught me a great lesson. Life's not about me. It's about serving others. It's about helping others. It's about being there for people when they need your help. It's about being available to people so that they can ask even. So you get where I'm going with that. Too many notes. Things I've learned in life. And we're going to wrap it up here. Have y'all noticed with all this rain, have you ever seen anybody walking about with a dry spot over their head and they just walk through the rain, you know, but they're not getting rained on? Because it seems like some people just never get rained on, you know. It just seems like that. I've been rained on a lot. Well, let me tell you something. That's another thing that God has assured us of is it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. We all have to face that, every one of us. We all deal with that. It rains on the just and the unjust, and it puts things in perspective. As a Christian, it reminds me of these precious truths. Number one, we have an eternal home promised us. That's another one of those promises. Can you believe it? Do you believe it? Because we have a home that's been promised to us. If we walk in His steps, if we're pursuing Him, that doesn't mean we're sin-free. It doesn't mean we never stumble or have a problem. I, I don't know who would stand up this morning and say, I've got all sin conquered. I never have a problem in my life. There's only one person I've met that's been that way, and that was Jesus. <laughs> We're not that way. He is. And that's why our faith and our reliance is in Him and His sacrifice, because He sacrificed for us. And we have opportunity. So always be ready. There's the lesson. Always be ready. Again, I, I tell you, just the experience I went, to, went through with the heart attack I realize how fast life can happen, or excuse me, death can happen. (laughs) Our life can end just like that. It's quick. It doesn't waste any time. Be ready. Be ready. Wherever you're at today, it's a call to be ready. And He has an eternal home prepared for you. Number two, I said it earlier, God still sits on His throne. He's still there. We may walk away. We may ignore that fact, but we don't need to forget as Christians, God is still on the throne and He still deserves all that we've got. All our praise, all the glory that we can give Him, we can glorify Him through all these things in our lives. We need to, just need to submit to His authority. We need to bow down before God who still sits on His throne. Number three, Humility is critical. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a tough one. That's been a tough one for my whole life, and I still struggle with it. To truly be clothed with humility is to not always and only seek your good. It is to seek the welfare of others. Humility, it's critical. Be open. Be honest, be vulnerable, if I dare use that word. But we don't like that sometimes. But we need to be that kind of people, especially in this family of saints. We need to be open and honest with each other completely. Humility. Number four, last one, opportunities for ministry. Everything that happens in our lives in one way, shape, or form, or fashion, and I don't know how many ways you can say basically the same word. We have opportunity to minister with our lives. We do that between brothers and sisters in Christ. We do that when we help each other. We do that like the example I was talking about, the way that our family was helped when we were going through something. We do that that way. We do it also just by example. Brothers, sisters, you're not paying attention if you don't realize how other people are always watching you, especially because you're a Christian and if they're not. They are watching you. And don't ever let that idea get out of your head. Now, you don't need to do it just because I know somebody's watching. That's like the boss coming in and and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm busy, (laughs) you know. No, don't lose the point here. We're not doing it to be seen of men, but we will be seen of men and they need to look at our lives, and what did Jesus say? And glorify God. They need to be drawn even to God through our lives. It's an opportunity for ministry. Every bit of our life, in small ways, in big ways. We talk about ministry, and usually we're talking about feeding the poor, um, doing this or that, you know, in bigger, broader, boastful, shall I dare say, sometimes, ways. A lot of companies do that. All for it. I'm all about companies doing that, and it's a way to keep their name out and all that. I mean, I think we should do that in business. But as Christians, we ought to do it because we actually care not just about our business. We care about people. And so we, we do those things. But it happens also just in who we are in our everyday life. And don't underestimate the, the impact that that will make to your family, to your children, to your wife, to your husband. It's real easy for those closest to us for us to ignore sometimes or not, not give them what they need or spout off at the mouth, you know, things like that. That's me. All I'm doing is telling you about how I live. And so you're getting a little bit of idea that I'm not always what I ought to be. So I'm real sharp with the tongue sometimes. What I really ought to be doing is finding ways to serve my wife. And we should all do that between husbands and wives, that type of thing. We never know what life will throw at us, but remaining true to God will bless you both in good times and in bad. And so, in context, with God's will, I want to leave you with this. To properly view this life would be to say amen. Be content where God has you and with what what is going on and just turn it over to Him. Trust Him. Glorify Him through whatever it is that you're dealing with find God find your life find your ministry and live it to the fullest no matter what it may throw at you always praise Him learn to say Thy will be done Amen I'm good with it God (laughs) where you have me don't get too worked up and that's where we have a difficulty sometimes I've had bad experiences in life. I've had times when things were pretty rough. And I'm just just shooting straight with you. I stressed over that so much. Maybe long-term it added to my heart problems. I have no idea. I I hear stress is not good on your heart. But I stressed over that. And I'm talking in my 20s and in my 30s and in my... I'm worried about this, and I'm worried about that. I'm worried about being able to make enough money or or whatever. I mean, it's a legitimate concern. But I'm so stressed over that that I lose focus on what's really important. And what's really important is God is my God, and He is full of promises that I can trust and I can believe in and I can submit to because I know life is going to make it. I'm now 62, And I've found out all those things that I worried about, they just tended to kind of work themselves out. I'm here today. What are you going through? Have you turned it over to God? Have you turned it over to Him truly? Because this is the opportunity. We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation. Um, This song is intended to be an invitation for you to come to Christ. If you're not a Christian, particularly, and if you are a Christian, it's an invitation, an opportunity for you to come and express your wishes, express prayer requests, things of that nature. Now, you can do that at any time. We all know that, right? Pull a brother aside and have somebody pray for you and pray with you. It's, it's powerful. But this is an opportunity also, and I, I think it's a good opportunity. You've just heard a word. Maybe it spoke to you in a certain way that you're something you're dealing with. Let us help. We're not here because we think we're better than you or anything like that. We're all humble servants of Christ and we want the best for each other, don't we? Can we amen that? Absolutely. We want the best for each other. And if you're struggling with something and maybe it's a secret or maybe it's quiet and Nobody really knows. I mean, I'm telling you, you put a whole room full of brothers and sisters around you praying for you and that are going to be there for you and that are going to uphold you. There is nothing better, not just than that feeling, but there's nothing better than to know that your brothers and sisters are interceding with God, with Christ, who hears us, who wants our burdens. Peter said to cast those cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares. (laughs) When you think no one else does, He does. And you have brothers and sisters here that will pray with you and for you. If we can help you in any way this morning, feel free to come forward, take a seat on the front row, and we'll sing this song. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.